Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. ever wondered what a marriage contract actually means or how you go about creating an anti-fragile relationship? I'll bet you've never considered how your screen time might be ruining your love life. But these are just a few of the topics that my guest, Candace Horbach, a former porn star turned entrepreneur, wife and mom, and I get into later in this episode. Hello friends, future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold. And if you signed up for the mailing list and didn't get an email from me, check your spam. I will only be announcing giveaway winners via that email list. So if you don't check it and you win, you're gonna miss out. And I'm just gonna move on to the next person. All right, without further ado, let's talk to Candace. Welcome to Crimes of the Heart. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like you have a very unique perspective on the world <laughs> of love and sex. <laughs> I think so too, yeah. <laughs> so for those that don't know, you are a very successful adult entertainment performer. I, I did a little a little research <laughs> and Pornhub says your profile's been visited 44 million times and you have 353 million video views. That's wild. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So how did you get into the adult entertainment industry? Slowly. <laughs> um, I started with webcam modeling and very quickly realized that I did not have the right personality for it. You have to just be like very gracious. You get a lot of commands and I'm like the type of person if you tell me to do something I do the opposite. And I knew that eventually I wanted to end up doing like the bigger films and you had Jesse Jane and Jenna Jameson and Tara Patrick and I said I want to be like these women. They had figured out how to fully own their sexuality in a way that was kind of like a superpower and at the time I was very insecure. So how old were you at this time? My 
my first film, I want to say I was 21, but I started webcamming when I was 19. And if you're shy, Mm -hmm. what gets you into webcamming? It seemed like a really safe place for me to come out of my shell. Right. Like it's way harder, I think, to do it at a bar with like a real person in front of you or like take someone home. I hadn't been with very many people sexually speaking, so I wasn't ready to do that. And it just it's a laptop. And if I want to, I can close it. I had pretty much all of the control. So it just seemed safe. And I started off implied. So I wasn't even showing anything, but I felt so alive and I felt so in touch with my body for like the first time when I was practicing sensuality. So again, like this is not explicit content. It was all um, all implied, nothing like no sexual acts. It was like teasing, like Dita Von Teese, like seeing how slow you can go, not trying to rush the process with anything. And at that time, any of the guys I had been with, they were basically boys, right? Like when you're a teenager and like your early 20s, it's like you're not really, no one's grown up yet. Um, so I hadn't been taught sensuality. I hadn't been taught pacing. I hadn't been taught pleasure. Like everything was a means to an end. And it's like, how can I get him off the fastest, right? Like my pleasure was never prioritized. So it was the first time that I had had in my mind a safe container to like start practicing and questioning a lot of things that I had been doing in my personal life. When I was 19, I had a record deal. We had we had very different uh, <laughs> 19 year old experiences. So you started with girl on girl yeah. and that just like felt safer. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first day on set? Like ever or with a with a man? With a girl. With a girl. Yeah, I do. Wasn't that be ever? Yeah, yeah. Were you just terrified? mortified. I had never been with a woman before. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I I know what I enjoy. So I guess I'll kind of go based off of that. And I remember it was like the night before or a few nights before I had my co-stars information. I reached out to her and I was like, hey. And she was a huge name at the time, like one of the biggest stars at the time. And she totally ignored me. And I was like, okay, well, this is shitty. And then we're getting makeup done chair by chair. And she's just being really cold and not interacting with me at all. And I was just petrified. I'm like, she hates me. She absolutely hates me. And this is going to be terrible. And we didn't talk basically at all until we started filming. And I was just so uncomfortable. And I guess that translated well because the scene did really well, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't an ideal situation. And I guess to give her credit, it's the average career span of any talent is like six months to 12 months. 12 months is on the higher end. So she probably sees young girls coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And unfortunately, not necessarily the most professional people come in, not the most together people come in. So she's probably seen it all and doesn't know me. So to her, she's like protecting her space and her energy and just she's just there to do the scene where I am new and excited and have like no idea what I'm doing and looking for some kind of mentorship. And she just wasn't available for that. So how long did you dabble in the girl on girl space? Oh, man, it was a few years actually probably until i was 25 24 and that's when you started to do mm-hmm. girly guy mm-hmm. what did you learn about yourself during that time because i think that there's like such an interesting do you identify as being straight or yeah. do you identify as bisexual definitely straight okay. mm-hmm. so what was it like being a straight woman creating work with other women i think that women are we're able to be a lot more fluid i think that it's a lot easier for us to 
like see beauty and turn on in things than men who have more of a rigid sense of sexuality. I think there's a lot less shame when it comes to women being with other women. It's seen as hot. It's not seen as embarrassing. Whereas with men, Mm. if they were to do it and he's like, I'm straight, you'd be like, no, you're definitely not. Right. But for some reason, we allow women to kind of exist in this gray space and men just don't so i think it's easier for a woman to do um like a lesbian scene if she's straight and it's a lot more difficult for a man to do it if he's straight so for me it's just like i can see and appreciate like a beautiful woman and i don't feel gross or icky or shameful it's like it's entertainment for me that's fascinating so then you do this for a while and do you think it was a confidence thing or do you think it was I'm committed to this lifestyle like I, I'm I'm not backing down so I'm not going to be deleting these videos or kind of trying to rid the internet of my presence that made you make the jump? Well, there is no deleting anything. So I think that's so important. It's this idea of anonymity or and I guess even my naivete in thinking that if I had done just a girl girl that it would have been brushed under the rug and probably more socially acceptable perhaps. But the more I think about it, it's I think once you kind of make that decision to take your clothes off, the people that are going to write you off are going to write you off no matter what. So it doesn't matter if you're by yourself with a woman or with a guy or with 10 guys. I don't think it matters. I think that those people think that it is morally depraved and, you know, there's no convincing them and there's no conversation. It's like their decision about who you are has been made up. So I think that that would have happened. But unfortunately, there's no companies that I know of to this day that are doing royalties that are offering um, any sense of ownership over the content with the creator. So you do the scene for one pretty shitty paycheck and then it's out there forever. So even if you have a moment of clarity, you're like, what did I do? This wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't enjoy it. I really regret this. There's no recourse. Like you can't say, hey, can I like buy this scene back? Can I take this scene down? It doesn't work that way. So it's like that decision is permanent on the internet forever. And that kind of sucks if you are someone that had a change of heart. But for me, it definitely wasn't sunken cost fallacy, right? It wasn't like I had spent so much time and it's already done. So now I got to stick with it. Like I really felt like that's where I was supposed to be at that time of my life. How so? I just, I feel like there are incalculable amounts of like little moments in our life that lead us to our path, right? So if it's music or if it's porn, and that's going to sound crazy to some people, like you were made to do that. I think it was a really necessary part of my story. And I think um, no matter what it is you decide to do or what struggles you decide to embark on, because I think it's all a choice at the end of the day. So it's like, what lessons did I feel or did my soul feel like I had to learn through this process? And it's definitely not been super easy, right? As I think you and probably a lot of people can imagine, there's been a ton of hurdles that I self-imposed from that decision. They want to say it's because your dad left. They want to say it was because society was hypersexualizing women. That's just kind of lazy to me. I think that there's a whole bunch of reasons that led me to make that decision. And absolutely part of it was my conscious choice to do so. And my my real curiosity around sexuality and it's interesting you said like people will write you off regardless and it's like even with this podcast Mm -hmm. I have felt that and it's wild because I'm in a sweatshirt you know like I'm fully clothed but I do think man the pushback around sex and pleasure mostly pleasure over sex is is really shocking Mm -hmm. 
still in 2023. Mm. Yeah. And you'll have people that people you'll have people that argue that there's no way we're sexually repressed because look at Instagram and how many women are posing on there and look at OnlyFans. But that's not you're looking at the wrong thing. What you have to look back, look at is the pushback that those women are getting right that's where the repression is coming the shame like the slut shaming all of that that's what you look at if we didn't have sexually repressed people there would be none of that pushback right like you would just say not for me right but because we're meeting it with like you are no longer a high value woman you're never going to get married you're never going to have children um you're not making any money you just closed all these doors for no reason you're a whore right you just you threw out your value all of these things that you see on the internet but when you see all of these like red pill people and they're like oh you're a low value woman it's insane one of my girlfriends her name's lena the plug her husband's adam 22 oh yeah she, yeah so her they have are you kidding like podcasts all the yeah all the things well, yeah they're great her decision to shoot for the very first time ever with another man meanwhile he has been shooting with all these women the whole time right there's nothing Mm -hmm. there's nothing it's quiet it's fine the minute that she decides to sleep with one person outside of the marriage even though he's been doing it for the scenes this whole time she's now being thrown as like low value she's a terrible mom someone needs to take her kid away like the craziest shit you've ever seen and then you see these tabloids putting her daughter's face on um on the front cover with her and the guy she did a scene with and I'm like, you want to talk about outrage and what is morally depraved? That is not her experiencing pleasure in a consenting way that she and her husband agreed upon. Like you bringing a kid into this because you want to sell fucking clicks. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Yeah. I don't even know how that is legal. I don't know how like, it's legal I just... either. I would be trying to sue the pants off of everyone because it's a child. You don't have the right to monetize off of a child. Period. No, you don't. And I also don't understand, like, if we go to a restaurant and you decide to get the steak and I don't eat meat, am I going to leave the restaurant? (laughs) Am I going to be like, uh, we need to start to attack Candace because I wanted the pasta and she's eating the steak? It's like, I don't know. Why don't we just do our own fucking thing and enjoy the meal? And I I do think it's like, you know, female pleasure is like one of the most threatening things on the planet. Oh, absolutely. So what are some of, I I feel like we hear this a lot, porn is not reality. Mm -hmm. How is shooting porn with a man and the creation of those scenes different than like, say, sex with someone off camera? I mean, it's entirely different. I mean, it's not to say that there weren't scenes that I enjoyed or that I actually was able to climax on because there were plenty. And um, it's just to say like the priority is the product. It's not my pleasure in those contexts. So it's not like I need to make sure I'm enjoying every single moment and that my body is just like dancing with excitement the whole time. It's like, no, I need to make sure my abs are, are popping. I need to make sure that I'm like arching my back and is my face doing the thing? Am I being too vocal, not vocal? Like it's a lot of calibrating, like conscious calibrating to like make sure that you are perceived how you want to be perceived. Whereas hopefully when you're having sex off camera you're not worried about those things that you can just relax and soften into the moment and not worry like what's my belly doing or what's my butt doing is my back look and I know that some women struggle with that and they do do that but I would highly encourage them not to do it because like he's already there right like you already have your person in the room you both already have your clothes off name a single time that a man was like absolutely not and walked out it's never happened in the history of 
of existence. So relax. Yeah, it's never happened it. to me. It's never happened. I've never met a woman where that happened. So relax. You already did it. Have fun. That's what it's supposed to be about. But yeah. So hopefully one is just like a lot more surrendered and then the other one is a lot more meticulous. And is it true that some of the fluid, some of all of that kind of stuff gets faked? Oh, my God. All of the photos, it's Cetaphil. (laughs) All the photos, it's Cetaphil. And it sucks because if you do like a cream pie shot, they are like... It gets in your eye. Well, that's for the facial. Yeah, it gets like everywhere and it'll burn and um, it tastes terrible. It'll make your tongue go numb. At least made my tongue go numb. Um, They'll put it like in you which i stopped letting them do because it's like terrible for your vagina is like ph yeah, but yeah. it would burn um but yeah it's so because it just real cum doesn't show up that well on camera and then you don't know how like how he's gonna finish right like some guys have bigger loads than others loads yeah and some don't yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. again wow. selling a product so it's not about it's not so that even shows like, not even truly about like the guy's pleasure because there's sometimes where maybe he's not able to finish and they have to fake it so it's like how do i make the best product that's going to get the most views and sell the most memberships i'm so glad you said that because <laughs> i just feel like it's definitely affected culture and I would love your thoughts on kind of whether or not you think that there is a porn epidemic. Oh man. So I guess you have to first define like what what about it would you define as being an epidemic? Like is it the consumption or is it because they're trying to reenact scenes or um, is it because it's it's maybe taking away motivation for them to go find a woman in the real world because they're getting a quick release? Like is it all of it? I think it's all of it. I think that what you have happening is you have a lot of men that don't know where they belong. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know how they're supposed to be interacting with women because there's this really fascinating study that recently came out. And I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right. So I encourage people to go check it out. Sure. But um, it's something like if you look at Gen Z and you look at millennials and you kind of group them together, one third of the group says a man approaching a woman at any time is considered for any reason is considered harassment and then you have 80 percent of the women plus or minus that want to be approached and then you have a large chunk i want to say it's like over half of the young men that will not approach because of that one third so we have these women that want to be treated in a way they want to be sought after and approached and wooed but then you have these men that are terrified to do it because they don't want to deal with any negative repercussions so now if you're in a vulnerable position where you're supposed to be having sex it's like we've overdone the consent stuff in my mind too like the consent that i hear some young people doing is more than i've ever done on a set right so it's almost like you need to do paperwork before you have sex with someone otherwise like who knows what or like constantly checking in can my hand go here can my tongue go here can i hold you this way instead of just like relying on body language and nonverbal communication so i think it's a lot of well part of that's also being so like on your cell phone so they've done studies where the more time you spend on your screen and this isn't just strictly to porn this is um, youtube this is tiktok instagram whatever the more time you spend on your screen the harder it is to read um, nonverbal communication, facial expressions, body language, that kind of thing. So you almost start to get symptoms of what looks like autistic behavior in um, non-autistic people. So the more that you spend time on a screen, the more you kind of uh, assimilate that kind of behavior. So if you have someone that is watching a ton of porn, just like if you had someone that was consuming a ton of social media or whatever it was, then they might not see that that woman is really uncomfortable with whatever it is you're doing. And I say like 
it's obviously not a perfect solution and it's not easy because a lot of women don't like speaking up. Like it takes most women, like most women have to get to the point of like being incensed and enraged for them to say no. Like it's very hard for most women to say no in like a calm way or just like out of general discomfort or just like no is a full sentence. It's very hard for women to do that. So women do need to take the responsibility that when you are in this vulnerable space, this dangerous, potentially dangerous space with someone new, you have to protect yourself because at the end of the day, it's no one else's responsibility. So you, if you, the guy is doing something that he maybe isn't doing it out of malice. He's just doing it because he's ignorant or like not checking. Or he in. thinks you're going to like right. it. It's you have to be able to say no. So you have to practice your nose. And that is so important. And that's very different than someone who's a victim of sexual assault. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Right. It's like, oh, that's like, oh, I, I'm not into space. Right. You know, Please don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. want to be choked or whatever. Exactly. Like, just say no. I think like there's such a hot way to have that conversation before you have sex or while you're having sex. Like, Direct it doesn't have to too, be so. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have to be this like, do you consent to me putting my hand on your ass or like, you know, yeah. it, that's not hot. No. But being like, are you into being spanked or like, have you been a good girl? Right. Whatever it is, like, there's a way to make it hot. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's not that weird. Right. So on the flip side and kind of in line with that, I'm really interested to hear how you think porn can help couples in relationships. So I think that like one of the more obvious things for me is that our sex drives tend to be very different when you talk about men and women. I was listening to this um, OB talk and she was saying in that when you're in your fertile window, it's like the closest glimpse that you have into male sexuality of what they experience every single day. So for me, I am like insatiable during that window. Like there is just like not enough, but the rest of the month I could go without if I'm being honest. It's just like my drive's not anywhere near my husband's. So when I was doing this exercise, I was like, man, if this is even a fraction of what he's experiencing every day, no wonder like he's always groping me in the kitchen and whatever. Like he's he got a lot going on. So because of that discrepancy in our like sexual drive, I think it's a really great way for them to be able to have their release and like you not feeling obligated to meet every single time that like they want sex right because then that can also be an argument it's like oh not again or I'm so tired or I have a headache right we come up with reasons and some of them are real and some of them are contrived um, as to why we don't want to have I'm bloated I just ate pizza whatever the reason and then he's allowed to go relieve himself I'm not going to yell at him or embarrass him or shame him like good that's one less time that I don't have to do it if I don't want to put in the effort so I think that's one good use of it and some people are like oh it's cheating well it's like well if it's not you he's going to find a a different method so you you either want honesty within the relationship or he's going to have to feel like he's lying to his mom because it's an argument so that's one tool I think another one is like a it's a really cool way to get creative I think when you're with someone for a very long time you can get into the habit and it's like very robotic and you're like like, okay, we're going to do this position for three minutes and then this one for a minute. And then we both finish at exactly the same time and we're done. Less than five minutes. Like, it's great. You both had an orgasm. That's awesome. But did you really connect? Were you in the moment? And I think it's a good way to break you out of your routine. Maybe you, I don't know, like maybe you don't have like a lot of creative ideas as to like what you could bring into the bedroom as far as um, playfulness. And it could be role playing. It could be outfits. It could be scenarios. It could be positions. It just could be a really good way for you to bring nuance into that container without bringing in another person. So um, I don't know. I think it can be really beneficial 
if it's used the right way. It's a tool. It's certainly not a replacement for a living, breathing human, but it can be used for entertainment and inspiration and just pure utility if like, you don't have a partner available and you want some kind of stimulation. Yeah, I agree. That, I mean, I'm, I don't I think we've demonized sex work in a way that is super weird. So I'm not of the mind that it is cheating or any of that. So it's really it's really hard for me to understand that logic because I'm also like these people are at work. <laughs> this idea that you think that we're going to come steal your husband. <laughs> I don't think so. Like I don't even know who he is. You were just talking about all the views I had on my profile. I don't know any of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> that intimacy goes one way. Yeah, I know. I, I heard you once say um, that you think Porn is like an amplifier. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, for me, I would say it like brings out people's like real insecurities, like real shadows come out. Right. And it's immediately trying to exile me from the community or I'm immediately like a bad person. Don't do business. A bad mom. A bad mom. Right. It's like a, it's a way to put me in a bucket that that confirms like their their narrative that they don't even know why they have half of the time. So if you have someone who's open-minded, who's curious, who's empathetic, who does like a lot of mindfulness, like they focus a lot on themselves or like maybe they're like a very stoic sense, like they're not going to get triggered by me. But if you have a lot of insecurity, if you feel that your relationship is unstable, if you aren't connected with your sexuality, like I bring all of that out of you and then instead again like we talked about earlier in the conversation instead of going inward and saying okay well why is this there what can I do with it it's like she's immediately the problem and that's the easiest way to handle it right it's to other the other person instead of looking at yourself it's interesting I I saw I read that you worked with reality kings and the guy that I'm dating right now that was like his first job too (laughs) um and he's a he's a retired performer and it's been very interesting to see who bristles at that Mm, mm -hmm. even people that think that they're woke or Mm -hmm. whatever and it's like but you can tell that they're like ooh, mm, okay and it's just it's it's very telling i i don't understand it's a job it's also like he's hot and he can fuck (laughs) i don't don't, i mean that's what's out there you know what i mean like this is somebody that's really good at what he does (laughs) good for you (laughs) thank you yes it's it's been a let me let me just say that some performers are really, really good at what they do. <laughs> There's a reason why they're there. Yes. Yes, <laughs> truly. It's also super kind and really great with consent and sexual health and all of those things that aren't always the norm with people that d- didn't do sex work, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just been really interesting, even amongst my friend group, to see how people respond mm-hmm. And if they think that I can't tell that there is judgment there, I can. I can always tell. Mm-hmm. I just don't react. Mm-hmm. But I've clocked it. I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Even with my friends that I perceive to be close friends. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer because it's now given me information about who you really are. And every now and then I have felt like a t- like a pang of shame. And then I realize, whoa, this is not my shame. Mm-hmm. Why am I taking this on? And I quickly drop it because... I wake up and I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, this is not something that bothers me at all. I'm only reaping the benefits of this (laughs) multiple, multiple times. (laughs) But I can only imagine 
what it's been like for you. Because also, like we just said, the double standard for female performers is also just so much greater. Oh, it is. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier. It's really funny. There's this one guy, um, his name's Sterling Cooper. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. So he is super popular amongst the Red Pillars, which I find so interesting. So he, he, like is trying to like teach these men how to be high value how to satisfy your woman how to be like the value thing is so because like who's it's giving slavery it's like who (laughs) who's assigning the value like why are why are we assuming that that's universal and what you value in a life partner is going to be the same as what i value in a life partner we're all so different so to think that you can slap on five bullet points and you're going to be figured out is very misleading but um he's super popular and i'm watching it from afar and i think it's good because he's like it seems stealth that he's introducing sexuality to that group however it's the same people that would immediately just like shut down a woman for any of the same stuff and we have this idea that well it's different men are supposed to spread their seed well and they use they try to use like really bro like a lot of bro science to justify their inadequacies to use their frontal lobe. So it's like, oh no, this is uh, this is evolution, and this is why I do it. When the, the like the reality is is there's really convincing data that women also weren't supposed to be monogamous and that we were supposed to move on because if you have a woman that's ovulating if you've already had a child with somebody what you're going to try what you're going to tend to find out is during that fertile window you're going to fucking hate them you're going to start arguments you're going to be like this person sucks why do you chew your food this way and you're going to be like lusting after other men even if it's just in your mind because it's it's biology's way of saying okay you already did it with this one person we need ver- like variety and diversity out there so you need to go find somebody else and furthermore if you do take the next step to cheat on that person and sleep with someone else during that fertile w- window you are three times more likely to get pregnant by the other man than by the person you've already had a baby with so that's crazy it, i didn't it know is that crazy it's in um a billion wicked a Billion Wicked Thoughts, which is a highly recommended book. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And there's just like a lot of data and science. And they took it's like the largest sample size of um, like sex related content and break down a whole bunch of like myths and stereotypes and whatever. But so, OK, I'm also not wired to be monogamous and, quote, spread my seed and whatever and like have a whole bunch of different babies. Women, we are the only creature that has an organ that is strictly for pleasure. And yet you're going to say that women don't want sex. Women don't want pleasure. It's only men. They don't have anything on their body that is strictly just for pleasure. Right. Like their penis it pees like it rightly urinate out of it. Um, and then they can also ejaculate out of it. There's no other function of the clit other than to have a great time. So don't tell me that women aren't supposed to have pleasure, aren't supposed to want sex, like we just want to settle down. Like look at a woman's body. We were created to enjoy sex. That is man, fascinating. And I really I really hope Sterling is fighting the good fight. I hope so. I mean, I hope <laughs> the I'm call not is wrong coming from inside the I house. I hope I'm not wrong <laughs> yeah. about him. Me too, me too. So, you've said that you have an anti-fragile relationship with your husband. And part of that had to do with your work as a sex worker. Mm -hmm. 
Can you explain like how being in porn has led to you being in a marriage that you would classify as anti-fragile? So my recollection of the definition of anti-fragile is basically instead of something like an opposing force breaking something, right, even something that's very strong can break. But if you have something that's anti-fragile, it literally takes on the energy of that opposition and becomes stronger. It's almost like that whole forged in the fire saying. So because of my decision to get into porn and to get into porn while I was engaged to my now husband, it makes you... Oh, wow. I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. What an interesting uh, set of circumstances. Yeah, it was super, super risky looking back. Because no one knew how anyone was going to react, right? Like his feelings are all valid and his reactions would have been all valid. So I took like a huge, we took a huge gamble with that decision. Yeah, it says just as much about him as it does about you. Oh, for sure. Like he's incredible. Like I couldn't picture up like a a better person ever to like grow a life with but it's like it's the idea that like a lot of people and myself included prior to like being in a relationship with him it's we avoid pain we're either like chasing pleasure or running away from pain and very rarely it takes like a very very um specific type of person that does a lot of like personal development that is like very resilient that looks at pain and examines it and understands like why is this here and how can I transform it do I want to keep this narrative this story or do I want to evolve it into something else like really taking true ownership of your life instead of going with the prescribed like the original operating system right like you get a phone and it has all of this stuff on it and I think people are very similar it's like how we were raised our culture where we grew up yada yada like we have all of these things that kind of pose as our real self and our real belief systems but if they're unexamined they're probably not um so we go through life and we go through relationship not examining anything and actually running away from anything uncomfortable and we go along to get along and this is good enough and you know there's not enough spark or there's not enough romance or i could never tell her that she would blow up i could never tell him that he wouldn't understand me whatever it was like there's not real trust and if you don't have like this radical honesty within that relationship you're not in a real relationship right like you both are operating based on of who the other person thinks that you are and then the moment that that veil is lifted is when the relationship becomes vulnerable because you're like wait I didn't know that that's what you thought or that's what you wanted or right it's it becomes kind of like a shell shock whereas with this there's no hiding from it I made a decision that the world can now google his family and friends had a lot to say my friends and family had a lot to say like there's no escaping it so at that point you have the decision and it goes back to porn being an amplifier and getting into it it's like you have the decision to run away or to go in and we decided to go in and examine and it's like why am I jealous why are you jealous why do I feel shame why do you feel shame why do I feel like I need to live my life for anyone else but myself and for you and like our decisions as a couple moving forward and what we want for our future like no one else has to pay the price for my choices no one else has to live my life but I guess going back to the anti-fragile bit it's just the idea of we went through so many extremes because of that decision and we are so much stronger for it because we didn't bullshit each other we were super honest how did this make you feel what do you want to do next how do you want to evolve yourself myself the relationship and it's like we've already been through that so there's zero reality you could even take like the multiverse there is zero universe where someone sleeps with someone and it destroys our family and it destroys our union because we've already done it and we've already reckoned with what does that mean for us what does that mean for the relationship 
relationship? Is a marriage strictly a contract saying that neither of us sleep with another person? Or is marriage something much different? Is union something much different? Is is our union and our bond only significant as long as we're having sex if you're putting such an emphasis on, on sex? So we've gone through a lot because of that decision. And I just feel like both of us are now trained to like go deeper with each other. And we both have the goal of growing old together. So there is no like backing out, running away from pain. It's like we're going to run through this, this storm together. Yeah, together. It sounds like you have a very bespoke relationship. <laughs> and I think that that's interesting because I, I love what you said about like, so is our marriage defined on sex? Because when you think about how most people think of a marriage, it's, you know, a contract. It's no cheating. And cheating is generally defined by sex. Mm -hmm. For somebody listening that might not be in your exact circumstances, but has something that they really want to talk to their partner or their fiance or their husband about, how do you approach having one of those honest conversations or starting to train to go deeper? So I think we have this misunderstanding that men are shallow and men don't have feelings and men are busy and they can't be bothered with whatever, you know, frivolous or neurotic thought we have. I think we like that's a lie that we've kind of been told. I think if you approach it with like softness and you approach it with what like keep in mind what is your end goal? Is like your end goal to end up together or is your or is this like a conversation about like separating, right? But if your goal is union and whatever that looks like for you to figure it out together, then like realize he's your teammate. Like he adores you. He loves you. He wants to provide for you in whatever way that providing looks like, right? I, I hate the idea that provision is like strictly financial. I think that's a trap. But like men want to like- hundred Right. It goes so much deeper and it's so much more meaningful than providing money. It's like men want to be there for you. So remember- Yes. Yeah. It's also, that is so tied to like the quote unquote rules, the 70s and 80s when men couldn't have a credit card without their husbands. So it was truly like we were trading sex for money. And I, I really do think- think that god we have to be we have to be beyond that mm -hmm. no for sure and then you also have like these men that think that's as long as i do that then i'm fulfilling my duties and then they spend yep. more and more time outside of the home and feel alienated and then they feel isolated and like separated from the family so no one's winning in that scenario certainly not men and certainly not their families but like i think you have to get yourself first it's like setting that that space for the for the conversation so you don't want to go in with accusations you don't want to go in hot like you want to go in soft surrender clear like you have clarity on what it is that you want for you and for the relationship and give him time to answer and this is going to sound crazy but if you ask first of all like men have what they call like single focus and some of it has to do with the testosterone in the brain so um, if he's in the middle of doing something he's not ignoring you it's just like his wiring like he's already doing something and he needs to get it done and he literally doesn't hear you it's not he's ignoring you like he physically is not hearing you right now so make sure he's available right? And if he's in the middle of something like, is now a good time? Or can we do something later? Like schedule it if you need to. So like set him up for success, set yourself up for success. So creating the space I think is really important. And then after he I must also be kind of man <laughs> <laughs> because I do the same thing. I'm like, I'll have conversations with people and then they'll mention it. And I'm like, oh shit, I was doing something else. I have no idea what we talked about. Yeah. And you might have more, a little bit more testosterone than some women, right? Like art. I might. Yeah, so it's very possible. Or maybe you're in like your masculine while you're doing 
doing something because obviously like you have your own business. So maybe you're in that space, that energetic space. So that's what's happening, right? Like your chemistry chemistry can be different. So like set up everything for success and like know what it is that you're like, why you're doing what you're doing and why you want that, like the goal of the conversation. And then when you ask the question, you want to count to up to, I think it's like 25 before you talk again. It can take and sometimes longer. So you have to also like be feeling the situation. So a lot of men need a lot of time because they're not they're not conditioned to be able to express themselves right like it's shut down a lot so their boys don't cry right boys don't have feelings all of these bullshit things that we have like raised our young boys on that needs to get fixed so because of that it takes them a little bit longer to like dig deep and feel like this is a safe place for me to express myself so if you count to like the mid to upper 20s without saying anything like again soften body language is so important i guarantee you're gonna get gold and every time you want to do that like you don't want to cut him off while he's talking you don't want to like create a sense of urgency you want to create like a very soft tranquil space where he can just like tell you everything and answer whatever questions or problems or whatever it is and yeah I think that's a lot of it and I was so guilty of like constantly cutting my husband off or like not giving him time to answer that I did an experiment the other day because I'm like there's just no way there's just no way that this is true so we're in the car and I just didn't say I said something and then I stopped and I didn't say anything and I started counting and I think I got to like 17 and then he started talking and then he talked and like it was different cadences like he would talk and then there would be a break and I'd start counting again and I'd get to like 12 and then he'd start talking again this went on for 15 minutes before I said anything anything like he had a lot to say and typically I would have said this is what I think oh well this is what I let me share right and like I want to participate in this conversation but our communication styles are so different so if you give them space and time they'll tell you when they're done they'll be like okay and yeah that's about it or like they'll kind of leave it open like that and then you can come in but it's a very different way to have a conversation I love that you know I've I've heard an iteration of that and I think that I sort of naturally do that I also like to try and have touch in those conversations conversations. It doesn't have to be the whole time, but like I do think there's something about entering into a potentially heated or emotionally charged conversation with trying to put defenses Mm -hmm. down and making sure that your tone is clear and that you're breathing because the second somebody feels attacked, the chemicals in their brain make it hard to process new information. Mm -hmm. So then they're not even hearing Mm -hmm. you. Like literally they can't even hear you. So the counting thing is, is fascinating and I love that. This has been an incredible conversation. I'm so honored that we got to do this. I ask all of my guests this. What is the greatest love or dating advice you've ever received? I'm going to mess this up a little bit. But for me, it's it's like probably like the most alive, I think. So we ha- recently had our second child. And I think any parent knows like that just shakes things up. Right? One, two, however many you have. Like every time you have a kid, it's just like everything kind of goes upside down. And you're like reestablishing what the family looks like and finding yourself again, especially, you know, as a woman going through that healing process, it's a lot. And I think it's very easy to get caught in the lows during that stage. So we kind of exist on this, this serpent pattern. So we have like these highs and then these lows and these highs and these lows. And wherever you currently find yourself, that's your perspective. And that's what you see. So if you're in a low place, all it takes is like your ability to register, I'm in a low place. Then you have to tell yourself everything I'm perceiving right now is probably bullshit, right? I only have the frequency that I'm existing in. And right now that's pretty low. So if I'm like being like, he's a shitty husband, he's not paying attention to me, 
like, why is this house a mess? Why is my toddler screaming, right? It's so easy to to see all of the negative, but that's because that's where you are. If you were at the peak, then you wouldn't be noticing any of that. So I think it's really important to constantly calibrate where you are so that you have an honest examination of like of your life and you're not blaming other people for where you're at. And I think the reason that that's so powerful is especially during like the early stages of motherhood, it's like you need your partner. You need your husband so bad in those moments. And sometimes the easiest thing is to feel it like to push them away and to like blame them for a lot of the stuff that you're going through. So if you can register like, no, I'm just feeling really low. Like my hormones are fucking crazy. I'm exhausted. I'm like nutrient depleted. I'm sleep deprived, like all of these things. And you can take a breath and say like, love, I need help. Like I need your help. And then it brings you into this other, this place of team, teamwork and unity instead of division. So for me, that's probably the, the most like alive piece of advice that I've had. I love that. I don't, normally ask this but do you have a sex tip a sex tip yes i mean since we have you know one of the top professionals here might as well um one of my favorite things and like i i apologize if anyone's heard me say this before but i i say it all the time because i i just like so firmly believe in this practice if you feel like you're in a place where like you're not as alive in that realm or you don't feel as connected as you know that you can be or you're lacking creativity or spunk or whatever it's to have a date night at home and like have some drinks like set up some candles get cozy each of you gets a notebook and it's called the sexual buffet like or like you call it like the intimacy buffet and what you want to do is you list out every single thing you want to try whether it's an outfit whether it's like a sex act whether it's like playing with strawberries and chocolate or like get as creative as you want and just know at the end the exercise is to switch notebooks and it can be really scary because you're like I don't want them to judge what my kink you have to go into it knowing like it's judgment free it's not about jealousy like this is just this is play this is fun this is learning new levels of your partner so after you switch notebooks one of the most beautiful things that I think usually happens is there's so much crossover and it's like the thing that you thought was going to get picked on like he's gonna if I want him to spank me he's gonna make fun of me and you realize like he wants to do that too like he has this whole like scenario and like oh my gosh I didn't know you wanted to do that so then like there's like this really playful new connection that's made and then what you can do is to take these ideas and put them in a jar and maybe like one date night he gets to pick one date night you get to pick and then you now have all of these um, options at the tips of your fingers as to how to to like reignite that spark between the two of you and it just brings like this new play that maybe has gotten stagnant in a way because you are going to be a little bit shy and a little bit nervous and like giddy and that's exciting and that's fun and uh, it's possible to have all of those butterflies even after a decade with, with someone if you do this exercise. Candace, I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> I have not heard this before and I'm obsessed with Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah, it's my favorite. I love that because it's also like when you go to pick something out of that jar, you're immediately going to remember the first night that you guys wrote this. So it's just anchored in a moment that is joyful and fun and already is going to be like tingly and salacious. And so I think that that is so genius and I've never heard oh, that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love it so much. It's my number one tip because if you're shy too and communication is a little bit tricky, you don't really have to do a lot of talking because it's writing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Okay. So if people want more from you, like more tips like that, how do they find you? How do they listen to you? Please like let us know. Um, so all of my socials are Candace Horback and then the podcast is everywhere you get podcasts, YouTube, Rumble, all of that or chattingwithcandace.com. And I will link to all of those below in the show notes. So Thank that, you so um, much. People can easily find you. Thank you. This has been incredible. I had a great time. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs>